Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Uh, it is week eight. We are on Lucifer season three, episode five. Welcome back, Charlotte Richards, and uh, welcome back, Lucifer, because I know I've said this already, but Mr. and Mrs. Mexican Smith was a taste of, of what the show is. And much better than the rest of the season. But it was definitely its own thing. It was our special Amaze episode. And the last scene, the previous episode, was like, oh, this is what the show is like, right? They can be good again. When it's, And then this episode, I feel like, is Lucifer. This is yeah. the show that we've been watching. And it's so wonderful to have it back. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the show is back... Not only because Lieutenant Bland is gone, but specifically because Trisha Helfer is back, now playing Charlotte uh, and not Mom. Uh, welcome back, Trisha Helfer. Welcome back, Charlotte Richards. Not a moment <laughs> too soon. Even sooner would have been better. Uh, how, how did we feel about this episode, everyone? Oh, I loved it. Um, I mean, everything you just said, right? I assume we all sort of thought the same. And welcome back, Lucifer joke, because I for sure did. Where I was like, thank God. Oh, my God. What a breath of fresh air. Um, uh, my first thought is that wh- whoever is working on the TV Hall of Fame for actors who play multiple characters on the same show um, needs to, like, slightly reprogram the uh, Tatiana Maslany room so that Tatiana Maslany and Trisha Helfer can share it. Um, because I mean, this isn't Orphan Black mm-hmm. and neither was Battlestar Galactica, but I feel like this plus Battlestar Galactica might approach Orphan Black levels. <laughs> um, so big, just really astounding. I mean, I just halfway through the episode, Nola texted Kay and it was like, fucking Trisha Helfer. God damn, she's so good. I texted her like a third of the way in the episode went. Dan is having the worst fucking day. Yeah, poor Dan. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about Dan, but for but for now, I want to say I just I don't know if it's that. I'm very curious to let me let me put it this way. I'm very curious to know all the inside baseball stuff from Latoya when she rejoins us tomorrow, Friday, whichever Friday day it is. Friday, great. Um, because I'm curious, like what order the episodes were written in. If there was some sort of behind the scenes other than the pregnancy that made for this dramatic shift in tone and quality up to this episode and then this return to form, which really is what it feels like. So I'm curious about all of that. But at the very least, it seems like this writing staff loves writing for Trisha Elfer. Um, And whether it was always the plan to bring her back as Charlotte Richards or she was just so good in the previous season that they finagled this character back on the show, whichever the case, um, it's incredibly satisfying. And what a useful performance aside what a useful relationship for the tv show to have for lucifer to have someone to talk to that is like a walking talking breathing consequence of his decisions and of the decisions of his family um who is grappling with the things he's grappling with in real time and who is aware even if she doesn't quite know or accept who he is who is aware of the existence of hell and can meet him almost where he lives without all of the family baggage like, what an incredibly useful relationship. Those conversations were fascinating. So um, I'm very, very optimistic about where the show is headed after this and mostly just really enjoyed watching all of the characters, but particularly Charlotte Richards and Lucifer navigate this new normal. Um, and yeah, poor Dan. His pudding? They had to come for his pudding? <laughs> it has 
twice the protein, guys. We are going to talk about the pudding. We are going to talk about the swear jar and Trixie. Uh, but first, Noel, uh, how, how, you're also similarly happy to have uh, Trisha Alfer and Charlotte Richards back? Oh, absolutely. And for all the reasons Allison already laid out, um, I think that one of the other things that I was really happy about with this episode is the fact that there's, again, more time given to, like, these kind of long conversations um, that, again, the season has been slowly backing away from, especially in the early first two episodes in particular. Um, and to a certain degree in um, the episode that preceded this, like, there are, there are good conversations in there, but nothing as meaty as the ones that happen here, whether it's in, the, in Lucifer's penthouse or in... Charlotte's penthouse in which she has to become a Merlot drinker because she bought 30 cases of wine. That's a lot of wine that she has to go through now. She should just resell it. Um, And I think that both of those kinds of conversations are things that I wasn't expecting the show to get back to based on the first two episodes and to a lesser extent, the uh, episode uh, four. So having those there, I think, really made a big difference. But then having them also be a through line to the climax of the episode in with the confrontation with um, the yogurt people of, like, I need to wash all my hands of all of this. And I need to, the only way I can feel like I can do this is to do another reprehensible act. And I find that just really compelling from a, how much is my guilt? What is my guilt? I have to be better, but I don't know how to get out of it. And that's just a deeply human thing to give us after Charlotte hasn't been human, basically, for what we know of Charlotte hasn't been human because she's been mom. So I think having that kind of pivot to a very deeply human, a very deeply confused Charlotte is really, really important but also just really good for the show because then it it helps to recontextualize everything with lucifer as well of like him grappling with human emotions and versus his own like celestial devilish impulses so i think there's just a lot of really really good character work in this episode that pays off a lot of dividends both from last season but also stuff that we just kind of needed right now in this season every scene with charlotte as like oh, this is my favorite scene for her. And then I get the next one. It's like, oh, no, this is my favorite scene for her throughout the entire episode. Um, the performance is really strong, but especially the scenes with Helfer and Ellis, I think really, really work. And the, I mean, from the the comedy of, like, the, the comedy of her jumping him to like the immediate pivot to pain and sorrow and confusion they handle those tones just right they they balance that so so well through you know eventually you know her talking about hell and him you know giving her the support that he can and that that she needs she so badly needs through that um into all the the rest of the like it seems like there's such a clear through line that this is what it's going to be okay now we got it and then the twist and the anger and confusion that comes with that and the desperation, um, th- like the delivery of, I-, I can't go back there. They, they have done so well 
in this show with just a few representations of what hell is like, of really giving it legs, of really earning these dramatic moments. And I think you know, it all goes back to that scene with Uriel in season two. But, you know, the different glimpses we've gotten, they have earned moments like that. And taking that moment of confusion and loss and how, what do I possibly do? I've just made it worse. I'm just, you know, digging my hole deeper um, into what we get at the end. The end for me was all about Lucifer because Obviously, from the pilot, he has relationships that are meaningful to some extent with humans. Like, he's got humans that he likes more than others, you know, like the singer and the pilot he has a soft spot for and was rooting for and all of that good stuff. But really, it's not until Chloe that he actually gets invested. And everybody on the show, you know, he's met through her. And he's, you know, Dr. Linda is a really important relationship. Chloe's a really important relationship. And now Charlotte is too. And this is the first relationship where he doesn't stand to gain from it in any meaningful way, at least in my opinion. And it's just about him wanting to help someone and to help her because he cares about her. And also he knows that there are not many people who can help her and he feels beholden to her. Um, And that's such a different dynamic than his relationship with Dr. Linda, which is very endearing and very genuine, but also very driven by, at least initially, her helping him. And his relationship with Chloe, which is completely different. So, like like you said, Alison, adding in this character in this way gives them so many more things that they can play. And it shows such a, such a refreshing change and development for the character of Lucifer that I'm very excited for what yeah, comes next. I think one of the things that was striking about it is it wasn't just like, oh, Lucifer, the show feels like Lucifer again. It was also Lucifer, the character feels like Lucifer again, like complex and curious and conflicted. And he makes mistakes, but he's not necessarily always willfully being a jackass, which is what the last several episodes have felt like. It was really, um, really, really refreshing. And it, you know, I'm sure that I am projecting, but it sure felt like, um, like Ellis was appreciative of being able to play the character again and not some weird sketch version of the character. Yeah. We need to make sure we don't forget to talk about important details like Dan and his pudding and Trixie <laughs> and her swear jar. So where are we, where are we going first guys? Well, I think I, I want to discuss the pudding just a little bit because uh-huh. as, considering everything else that this episode does well, the fact that they think that a pudding manufacturing plant looks like the place where the Joker was born is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Oh, my God. It really does. It looks like Harley Quinn is going to get thrown in one of those vats at any moment. Oh, that is hilarious. No. Yeah. I was just like, Good job. Why, why is this a supervillain layer and not a stainless steel antiseptic food manufacturing plant because that's what it should be it should not be a place where meth is about to be made um so that aside because <laughs> it was just really distracting especially at the end i'm just like why are we having a showdown in this criminal abandoned warehouse in central city i don't understand what's happening right now um that aside i think that all the pudding stuff's really um delightful even though um Keenan thinks it was a little too much. Um, 
but I think that it feels like a decent enough like kind of like payoff of we had this really silly line that we thought really epitomized Dan. What if we just keep going with that? What if that just becomes a runner and then what if we just focus an entire episode around it? And it's just like it's very good. It's very good. It's very silly. And it works for me. It works for the show. But I think that like the other thing that makes it work for me more than anything is the fact that it turns out not to be a homicide. Um, I always like when procedural zag on me um, instead of always doing a homicide, um, which I know it's just so easy to do homicides because you don't have to explain anything. Um, but so I always appreciate when it like they do this little bit of a zag. Um, and then it was like a suicide with an intention, which is also something that's interesting as well, even though suicide's terrible and should not be glamorized in this way. But at the same time, it provides them a good narrative opportunity to do something different. So I really enjoyed all the pudding stuff. And I enjoyed Ella just slapping the pudding out of Dan's hand and into that window because it was just the final insult of why is everyone eating my pudding? And also, Dan, you're leaving too many puddings in that fridge. Just bring one from work, eat one from home each day and just put it in there. Then people won't eat them. It explains <laughs> why they're eating his puddings. He's got like yeah. 15 of them. So, yeah. yeah, no, there's too many in there. Yeah. There's too many puddings. Yeah. Too we've... many puddings. That doesn't <laughs> too work. Too many puddings. Too many puddings. Um, so we have some entertaining comments from from everybody in the zoom here um scotty says why is one guy cooking industrial pudding late at night keenan says the dan pudding plot was like oh the people like poor dan and his pudding here is the pudding penguin layer <laughs> um i like the pudding as a grace note of dan's character not the whole symphony and marcus uh you know references that that dan is taking up the entire work fridge which is not it's like in a delta flying v pattern in the fridge it's like damn there's no room for anyone else's food in that yeah yeah (laughs) um i will say that i really enjoyed the pudding uh subplot while fully acknowledging everything you guys are saying like yeah i get it and also i don't care because it's funny (laughs) um also i have the more uh, or I was going to say more unique, but that's not a thing. I have the less common experience of watching this with my parents, and uh, both of whom are chem majors, and my dad is a is a oh, research no. chemist. So no, 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 no. So so at the very beginning, when the that one drug, the one late, you know, bin of things is is out, starts with an L. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, mm-hmm. he like they're they're talking and like they're like wait what is that that shouldn't be in pudding why is that in pudding that's not and then it comes back later and they were they're very pleased with themselves so they <laughs> called it from the first moment oh that's one for the call six that's so yeah. nice yeah um so yes it is a grace note not a symphony but yeah i will take you know i will take a symphony of a- and it gave us suzanne crier in this show which is yeah. something i need all the time now indeed <laughs> i i feel like um i don't know i have a great fondness for room jokes where it's very obvious that at one point the writers were like wouldn't this be funny and then it was funny to them so they just yes. kept bringing it back and then they needed a thing um like they needed a premise for this episode and they were like what the hell why don't we do a pudding episode and it seems as much about entertaining themselves as it is about entertaining the audience um they don't always work i think this one is a a bit of a mixed bag for the reasons that keenan states um 
but and also like the pudding merger and like all of the <laughs> pudding sexy merger. pudding commercial um all of that stuff but like pudding security industrial pudding espionage it was a lot but um i always i just have a lot of fondness for when writers are willing to sort of lean into that um because it's got to be it's got to be fun for them too and it sure seems like this one was like i bet everybody after they broke this episode went home being like yeah nailed it and i love that <laughs> Scotty wants to know why is the head of the pudding company directing the commercial? Excellent question. I used to think she's an overly uh, multi, like hands-on, trying to control every detail kind of person. And there is a separate director there who she is talking over. Yeah, writing. That that is the only thing that can make any sense. And mostly, I think they just wanted more Suzanne Cryer, and she's very good. For those who have, have not enjoyed her on Silicon Valley, she's one of the funniest people and a very funny cast over there. Um, I also am going to shout out uh, Matt Yang King, who is the other, who's Adrian, who I enjoy mostly because I got to know him, his work, because he hosted a geek Geeks On podcast forever ago that I used to listen to while it was still going. So every, anytime Matt Yang King shows up on my TV, I'm like, ah, that guy, yeah. Yeah, awesome, cool. Also, he plays the violin. And so, you know, shout out to actors who play the violin who occasionally get cast to actually play the violin, which is a thing I always, you know, have as a personal, you know, thing I care about as a violinist. I'm so excited to hear you talk about the harp this week <laughs> on the main podcast. <laughs> Anyways, um, so the... Uh, the the stuff with I thought the executives the putting executives and all of that was was appropriately fun. I wanted to know if Chloe ever got her coat back because we didn't see she that. She did. Happen. She she had it back and when they came back to the station. Oh, I know, but we never yeah. saw how that happened. We just no, saw no, the model walk off with it. Um, and I will say, as much as I enjoyed this episode, that is not a Chloe shirt. Chloe doesn't wear paisley, so I don't know what's going on with that. Anyways. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Trixie and her swear jar, because as Keenan mentioned earlier in the chat, uh, Trixie and the swear jar was a delightful plot, illuminating new facets of one of our faves. And yes, I feel like this is the kind of thing that the show used to constantly do with Trixie, but just with the subplots in general, and it hasn't been doing. So when we get our conversation at the end of the episode and we get, Chloe gets a moment, they go back to the swear jar, not just for the comedic beat, but also for like the... How is Chloe impacted by this, and 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 what is her day to day like with like why is she dealing with Lucifer? And it's because of moments like this, you know. Aside from her relationship with him and the fact that he helps her close cases, it's also that he provides valuable perspective in his own very Lucifer way that she does appreciate. And so I thought it was a, a lovely through line, and more Trixie content is always good content in my book. So yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I love that Lucifer rightly gave her credit for the alternative swear words that she came up with. That was that was charming. Um, big thumbs up there. Yeah, I think that Keenan really hit it right on the head. Where it, it feels like it's a like a fun subplot that's an opportunity for lots of jokes that does also both illuminate the characters a little bit and the main thrust of the story. Um, so like a really really good example of a B plot and. Always more t- Trixie content. Whoever does the costuming, well, I'm assuming the costumer does the costuming for Trixie, so that's a bad way of putting this, but the costuming for Trixie is always great. A lot yeah. of times on television, kids don't actually dress like kids, and she really does. Like, she looks like a kid who is very it's, insistent on, on picking out at least some of her own clothes. Yeah. Very charming. Yeah. No, she's always like pattern clashing, but in good ways. Yeah. And little, um, the glittery cat ears a couple yeah. episodes ago, those were great. Yeah. 
So much so that it almost often, I feel like Scarlett Estevez, who plays Trixie, just kind of comes to set in whatever she's wearing, and they just go, yeah, okay. And that's what I hope is happening. That's <laughs> what too. I personally hope oh, is happening. Too. <laughs> I love that. I hope so. Well, if anyone has something they want us to chat about from this episode, drop it into the, the into the chat and any final thoughts on this? What are you guys most excited about? Did you miss? See, because we, obviously we didn't have any Lieutenant Bland, but we also didn't have Mace. We didn't really have Dr. Linda. There's a lot of characters we love who we didn't get. I didn't miss them in this. Yeah, I didn't either, mostly because it's it was so focused, even with um, Trixie and Chloe involved, it was so focused on what was going on with uh, Charlotte, both with Lucifer and with Dan, uh, that it didn't really feel like that perspective was lacking. That said, I'm very excited to listen to Linda talk to Lucifer about hanging out with his not stepmom, right? Or his not mom, <laughs> right? I'm very, I'm very excited about that. And I assume he'll be giving Charlotte a referral uh, because she clearly needs a therapist, ideally one who knows about the existence of hell. So um, I hope that I hope she, Linda gets more business out of this. She can, uh, one day closer to that kayak. Oh. Um, yeah, I think that the episode is generally because it's so tight, you don't really miss anyone. Um, at the same time, though, I'm very interested in what Amenadiel's response is to Charlotte now. Um, cause that's the, that's the, that's the piece that's missing from this for me. And I get why it's not here. Cause it's already a really crowded field. Um, despite the fact that it's, pretty focused on what it wants to do with the procedural and then Charlotte and Lucifer and then Trixie and everything. So I think that there's not really room for it to give it the time and space that it needs, but it's what I want now and next is that time with the two of them, as well as a little bit more with Dan and Charlotte as well. So that they can sort of like start figuring that out. Marcus says having a Charlotte episode and not including a Menadiel is an interesting decision. And yes, I, yeah, but I don't know that there was space for him in this, like you guys are saying. It's very tightly, like, structured, and it, I think it works really well. But I do want to know, I hope Lucifer doesn't send a text of emojis. <laughs> and if he does, I want to know what they are to inform a minute deal. By the way, Charlotte is, is back out and around, and she doesn't have any memories, but also she went to hell. But also, if you run into her, be cool. <laughs> It's just like a snowman, and I don't, I don't know. It's just terrible. It would be a terrible series of emojis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very confusing series of emojis, and presumably yeah. at least one selfie. How about that? Yeah. How about a selfie of Charlotte and Lucifer, and then a series of emojis explaining the selfie? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I'm too old to figure out translate that into emoji. <laughs> Yeah, that's just a, that seems very tiring. Just much less tiring to just call someone on the phone and talk to them, which is no, a, don't do that. Why well, are you I, calling it, someone, Kate? Don't call someone. <laughs> well, but but I'm saying if your choices are are text of emojis, like a string of emojis, and that you have to figure out and calling, even I will take the effort of I guess I need to actually call someone, which at this point just feels rude. But like it, as opposed to trying to translate that into emojis. So, oh, yeah. I mean, people are having to fax to get unemployed. So, I mean, what are we going to do? <laughs> it's a strange time. Topical! <laughs> well, unless you guys have any final thoughts, I think that wraps up our conversation of Lucifer, Season 3, Episode 5. Uh, welcome back, Charlotte Richards. Tomorrow, we're going to be back to talk about Episode 6, Vegas, with some radish. So, 
Any thoughts on what that could be? Uh, well, Scotty says Dan needs to go to the doctor, check those kidneys. Yeah. How yeah. is Dan not at his primary care physician right now? He should have gone immediately. If he's so health, if he's eating health conscious pudding, you should really. There's, there's no such thing. Things. Like, I feel like there's no <laughs> such thing as health conscious pudding just because there's more protein in it. That just eat yogurt, Dan. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, maybe he's on some sort of, I need to get more muscly diet. So he needs a greater intake of protein. So he's finding the protein intake where he can. I don't know. I have a friend who does amateur professional weightlifting. So these are the kinds of things he talks about. Yep. Yeah. Yep, definitely a thing. Um, okay, so do we have any thoughts on Vegas with some radish as the next episode title? Uh, my primary thought is I hope we get to see Candy Morningstar again. That's a good thought. Um, mostly, I'm going to be disappointed if there aren't radishes. I love radishes. Um, Me too. I love a they're, radish. They're delicious. Like I'll eat radishes like they're apples, like teeny tiny apples, because yeah. um, they're the best. I like them when they're really peppery. But I hate Vegas. So. <laughs> Noel and I had fun in Vegas. Have we you did. Ever been, have you ever been to Vegas separate from that? Because I have not. No, never. That yeah. you, you and I going for Clexicon is the only time I've been to Vegas. And it's probably the only time I'm going to go to Vegas. We are I'm not just, Vegas people. I love Vegas. I don't love gambling. Although I do like the occasional slot machines. And I love video poker. Um, I did also win really big on a slot machine once. And it was really big for me. And it was, yeah. a, I, I was like, oh, I get it. I understand now. Um, <laughs> however, I love uh, cheesy artifice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just like great. Yeah. wandering around looking at the fake Eiffel Tower and going on the roller coaster at the fake New York City is like my, it's, I love it. I just really love it. Um, and I like a drink so big, you have to wear it around your neck with a necklace, like that kind of stuff. No. I love, I just love Ugh. it. It's so, well, that, and I also um, am a big food nerd. So obviously Vegas yeah. is a whole restaurant. There is a lot of good food there. Yeah. That's true. Um, no, I love Vegas. Tom's uh, family, a huge percentage of Tom's family lives in Vegas. So we, um, we have gone, I will say this. If you ever think, hmm, maybe I should give Vegas one more try. Go the week before Christmas because okay. it is. Not empty, but empty-ish. And you can get a seat anywhere, and it's not so crowded, and there aren't so many drunk idiots. The percentage of people pushing their babies around in strollers at 3 a.m. in a very depressing, upsetting manner is way lower. Um, It's like, it's much better. It's great. It's great. I had the best Christmas Eve of my entire life in Las Vegas riding the giant Ferris wheel that has a bar in it. Um, It was the the best. We were singing Carol. It was wonderful. So, yeah, Vegas Christmas is my suggestion. And then fly back to your home on Christmas Day because it'll be cheaper. Yeah, that's true. That is the best time to fly, though. I got stuck in that Vegas airport for so long when I left. Just so long a dust storm happened. I was there for like six hours. That's rough, man. It's, yeah. It's not a great airport. So loud. Everything's yeah, loud. everything's so loud. Yeah. I was so glad that we were not housed anywhere near the strip. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was like we were, we had a good energy <laughs> for the two of us because like, yeah, yeah, no. See, that sounds wonderful, Allison, except for the part where you talked about people being out at 3 a.m. with their strollers. Because in order to notice that there are fewer of them, I would have to be out at 3 a.m. But you don't have and- to be. That's the thing with Vegas. You could wake up at noon and go to bed at 8 p.m. No judgment. <laughs> I, one of the nights the last time we were there, I um, 
I was writing, I spent the day doing an assignment for the takeout where I was writing about how long you can stay at a Vegas buffet. Um, mm-hmm. So I went to the Caesars Palace buffet very early in the morning and sat there for as long. I thought it was going to be until they asked me to leave. And instead it was as long as I could take it. Um, <laughs> Cause it was, I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. I have to get <laughs> out of here. Um, and then I spent the evening writing a review of the timeless finale and sitting in a giant bed, listening to the New York, New York roller coaster goodbye. And it was great. I like did two things and that was it. It was wonderful. Anyway, yeah, that's you don't need to rage in Vegas. You can just hang out. Drunk Carol's uh, on the Ferris wheel. That is that is you would have loved it. It was so So. great. It was great. Our bartender was from Arkansas. It was like talking to Neil and Julie. It was wonderful. (laughs) Well, we will have more about Vegas tomorrow on the podcast. Until then, thank you to our friends hanging out in the Zoom. Of course, that's Marcus and Keenan and Scotty. Always a pleasure chatting with you guys real quick. Does does Professor Grayson have any thoughts that he needs to share as he signs off? He's not here anymore. Oh, He's taking a nap. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, Prof- Professor Grayson had office hours earlier, and it was adorable. It was very cute. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>